Hello and welcome to the BVC podcast. Here at Brownsburg Vineyard Church, we want you to know that we are a group of ordinary people that serve an extraordinary God. Our mission is to honor God and advance His kingdom by building disciples who will give their lives to changing the world. Whether you are local or joining us from a distance, we want to thank you for being a part of our family. To learn more about us, you can visit thebvchurch.com. Thanks for listening and enjoy this week's message. and find your seat because we have a very special treat this morning. As many of you know, we are in a series entitled God's Divine Economy. It's just been a fantastic series, just about learning about the generous nature of God and how our faith and our finances intersect as an act of worship. And this morning, I am so honored to have Phil and Cindy Neff. If you have not met Phil and Cindy, they, have, they serve on our steering team and provide leadership in that capacity, and they do so many other different things around the church. Uh, I won't tell you the whole story. You can ask them about it, but Phil and Cindy are the only people who actually predate Gwen and I here at the church. So uh, it's a long story, but uh, they actually predate us, and so interesting factoid there. And so they are going to continue our uh, God's Divine Economy series with a message on our third word, which is generosity. So let's give a big hand to Phil and Cindy. All right, so what's our word this week? Generosity. We like generosity. We get enthusiastic about generosity. Now, I just have a question. How many of you, when you found out that generosity was the topic this morning, you left your checkbook, your cash, your purse, you left everything at home? No. No. Good for you. We can take up that offering later. God's ability to provide for us is more than our capacity to receive. We're the limiters, not God. Last week, we talked about contentment. The thing I took from that was a peanut butter jar. I don't know if you remember that. Who knew that physics and geometry and techniques are involved in cleaning out a peanut butter jar? You have to have the right kind of knife you have to have the right angle, and you have to have the right technique to get down in all the crevices of a peanut butter jar. And you might ask, what does that have to do with contentment? Well, what I took from it, at least, keep in mind the source, um, <coughs> when we compare our nearly empty jars sometimes to other people's nearly full jars, we can feel a little bit inadequate, or maybe like we're losing but the reality is that we have enough to be content. And we have God as our provider. That's a pretty good deal. Today, uh, we're going to talk about generosity. Now, generosity is more than just money, just like the other topics in this series are. But we're going to kind of focus in on generosity. And it really starts with 
God's generosity towards us and then uh, who he has given us in addition to what he has given us. Now, being at the front of the auditorium is a little bit odd for Cindy and I, and you'll, you'll notice that as you go through today, I think, probably. Uh, Cindy would much rather be with the ladies' Bible study in a small group setting. I'd be much more comfortable sitting cross-legged on the floor in the kinder food room <laughs> talking to my preschool kids about God's generosity. And I want to tell you, if we had a conversation about God's generosity, I would learn a lot about the nature and character of God in those four, five, and six verses. It is an amazing time. That's an implied commercial if you want to sign up for Prayer Room next. <laughs> so Cindy and I may be a little bit uncomfortable this morning as we're up here sharing, but we have been learning from God slowly and imperfectly, having fun with God about generosity, and we are excited to share this morning about the gospel. Our scripture this morning is from 2 Corinthians chapter 9. It says, it's up on the screen, um, the point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God writes a unique story for each one of us that we have joked over the years that he kind of got stuck on a plot line because we live very parallel lives. Lots of things uh, are the same. We were born six weeks apart. We both lived on farms in big old farmhouses. We had parents who loved each other and loved us. We were in church every Sunday, and we never knew a time when we didn't believe in a God who loved us. So that's, a, that's an unusual storyline for a lot of people. But Joel was in Ohio living it, and I was Illinois, in Illinois living it. And the lessons that we were taught in Sunday school and church, those bore fruit. And we individually opened that door to Jesus and said, come on in and turn it upside down the things that you want to do. And when we were both 17 years old, we got our first part-time job, real regular paycheck, and we had heard about tithing. Now, we were both in church, but we didn't know anybody who did it. We didn't. But we had heard about it, and as 17-year-olds, all these miles apart, we decided, okay, we know it's in the Bible, we'll give it a whirl. And we started tithing from our very first paycheck when we were 17 years old. Now, by the time we got married and we were 25, we each had eight years of hardcore tithing under our belt. And so money wasn't a problem for us when we started out. This is, this is our unique story. Some of you would tell of battles. And, um, but we didn't have to ask, are we going to do this? Are we going to set aside the first tenth and give to God? We were already doing it. And so God took those parallel lives and he put them into one. And we continued with what we were doing as far as the tithing was concerned. And that's when he started teaching us about generosity. And it's taken off from there. Our hope this morning is to stir you up about generosity. In the Amplified Version of Hebrews, chapter 10, it says, And let us consider and give attentive, continuous care for watching over one another, studying how we may stir up 
that is stimulate and incite the love and what helpful deeds and noble activities. So we hope to stir you up to love and helpful deeds and noble activities in the area of generosity. A big idea is practicing generosity can be the most fun you'll ever have with money. Right. That is true. And earlier I mentioned the words tithe and tithing, and sometimes that's the old elephant in the room. People don't want to hear about that. But, okay, you will in just a moment. There are sometimes misconceptions about these words. So here's a little quick illustration. A tithe means tenth. And this morning, our little jar here with our beautiful plastic balls, this is our, our income, let's say. This is your income, and it's divided into ten parts. So we have these ten parts, and the tithe needs to take one-tenth. Tithe is ten. And so that's what, uh, what tithe means. And it's meant to be the first tenth, and it's meant to be given intentionally and gladly. That what Scripture says, God loves a cheerful giver. There, the actual root of that word means hilarious. God loves a hilarious giver. He wants you to jog down the aisle. He wants you to have fun with it when you're putting your offerings in the baskets or, okay, as you're tapping it in online or something, do it and do a little happy dance. So it's supposed to be given gladly. And in the Old Testament, they would bring the first fruits, the first tenth, and it says, bring it to my house so that there may be meat in my house and prove me now herewith, says the Lord of hosts. And they were supposed to take the first of it into the temple to feed the priests and the Levites. And also, they have uh, something set aside for benevolence. So if poor people came in, in the temple they could provide for them. So we're supposed to take the first tenth into God's house so that there can be provision for the people who are taking care of the rest of us spiritually. And so let's take as an example, we've got a, an Old Testament tomato farmer. Okay, and he takes, he carries over these plants and he walks and he comes and he waters them. And he gets beautiful red tomatoes, but he doesn't eat any of them. He gathers them up, and he takes them to the temple so that there can be food in God's house for the priests and the Levites and for those who are poor. So he takes them in there. And the other thing that an Old Testament uh, uh, Israelite would do, a believer if you want to call him that, he would make a declaration. And the declaration would be, I believe that you've been faithful to give me these tomatoes, and I believe that there are more coming that you're going to provide for my family with what's coming after. That was the declaration. And it is the same with our money today. We happily take the first into God's house, recognizing Him as the source, and then we can make that same declaration. I believe that in your faithfulness, there's more coming. There is more coming for me, and more coming for you to give away. Now, in Malachi 3, it, that's a great chapter if you want to read a little bit about tithing and blessing. And in Malachi 3.6, he says, For I have not changed. And so we know he hasn't changed from the beginning of time until forever. So he hasn't changed. And he says, Bring all your tenth parts. Here are our tenth parts. Bring all your tenth parts into the storehouse so there will be food in my temple. And please, please test me in this way, says the Lord of armies. And see if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour out a blessing for you till there's more than enough. Now, one view among some Christians is that this whole thing is an Old Testament principle, doesn't apply to us as New Testament believers. And another way to look at it is that everything belongs to God. Everything is His. 
And so when we have our sense parts here and God comes along and says, good job, you guys. You've been out there doing it. You've been making all of this money and you're bringing in these success. I just want this. If this is one part of the coin, this is a thing. This is because. So if we look at it, without sin, he only wanted one. Now, I don't know about you, but if the king of kings can run a universe on this, shouldn't we be excited about running our little household on this? Yeah, that's God sent his first heart. His first heart. Titus chapter 3 is this whole setup reminding us of what we were like before we come back story. Might be to say that Jesus decided to share what was made available to him. And then he gave thanks for it before he distributed it. Straight from our cabinet, actually part of our COVID stash, here is a nearly full jar of peanut butter. <laughs> and if you'll check, it's, it's lightly used. It's almost all there. And if you check, you'll notice that the expiration date's only slightly past today. It was a little more fun to say that after you dip your fingers in the chicken butter. So that's a generous helping of boy humor right there. So there's a fast and a slow to generosity. And I looked up the word in a regular dictionary, not a Bible dictionary or Greek or Hebrew or any of that, just a regular one. And I just love what I found. The very first definition for generosity is to do more than is expected. To do more than is expected. And the second one was one word, kindness. So generosity is to do more than is expected and to do it with kindness. And we've all had that person that did something for us or gave us something and they wanted to hold it over our heads for the rest of our lives. And there have been people who did, but it's not generous because they don't do it kindly. So we want to make sure that when we are in our, mo- in our mode of generosity and giving generously, that we do it with a great attitude and we do it with kindness in our hearts. It's meant to really bless the person we're being generous to. So there's, there's fast and slow. And fast generosity is being ready in an instant to, to respond to God. And He prompts us to give and share all the time. And we just want to be ready and ready to do it quickly. Um, one thing that I really regret about society right now is that nobody carries cash. And for me, how do you have spontaneous generosity if nobody's carrying cash? So I would encourage you, my dad always had an emergency 50 in his wallet. Um, I would encourage you to put a 10 or a 20 or something, fold it up, put it in the corner underneath your favorite set of things, wherever it is, and have it ready. So that when you see somebody that needs that or something that you can give, you have it ready, you're spontaneous. So you want a fast element to your generosity. Um, 
it's easy for individuals to see that and to move quickly. But I've got a, a few stories where it was more than one person that moved quickly. Um, we were we had a small group that met in our house on Friday nights a long time ago. And one night, one of the couples came in, and they were just really sad because they found out that their neighbors didn't have enough food for the weekend. And they were waiting on a check. I don't remember if it was a, a paycheck or what it was, but the check hadn't come. And they came in very sad, and I said, well, good. We've got a kitchen. So we went out to the kitchen, and we raided the cabinets. And we pulled things out of our cabinets that would make enough meals for them to last the weekend. And then said to the rest of the group, now you go home. Saturday, you know, tomorrow, you go to your cabinets, and let's fix the rest of the week. And so on Sunday morning, everybody comes in with their grocery bags and loads them in the, the car of the people who told us about this meeting, and they were able to take those to this family and to give them and to help them make it until the check arrived and they would have, have their needs met again. And that was one of those fast things that just happened. We, you know, I'm sad, I'm sad, I don't know what to do here, let's do this. You know, you'll have those sparks, those inspirations. Those are God, God nudges telling you, do this. You've got it. You've got what you need to meet needs. And sometimes we sell ourselves really short because we don't have what someone else might need. And I just want you to wait and, and listen because I think you'll find out that many times you really do. Um, one time... We were in a, a church, and uh, there was a family who was part of the church, and they had come from Africa, and they had a, a problem with voodoo, and they were sent back to their point of origin. Well, they had a, they were renting a house here, and, and they were gone, and they had no idea they'd be gone more than a month. They thought it would take a couple of weeks, and they'd be back. And we were kind of watching their house and picking up some mail, and, and the bills are stacking up, and it's getting closer and closer to the end of the month, and needing rent to pay it and all of this. And so we asked her, you know, what do we do? Well, we took the stack of unopened bills into church on a Sunday morning, just like now. And we stood up and said, who's going to pay the rent? And you know, some families came together like, we'll pay the rent. Here's the, the light bill. Nobody knows how much it is, but who wants the light bill? And we went through the whole stack of bills. And somebody stood and took each one and paid those bills. And our definition, you know, go, go beyond what's expected to do it kindly. The kindness that I see in this, it, there were several levels. But the biggest one is we didn't have a single person who asked them to repay the, that bill when they got back. It was given out of kindness for them. So that when they came home, they still had their home. They had their, their lights on. They had their heat going. And their kids could go right back to school. And so that was a, a case where there was a lot of spontaneous generosity in a church. And then there's one that Dennis has going to love. Because back in the dinosaur days, I don't know if you remember the huge, huge satellite dishes that churches had and people had in their backyard. And churches had them because they were broadcasting satellite services across the United States. And if you were a small church, then you got to be a part of a really big service. And everybody, you know, they had worship and the Holy Deal and there was a message. And one night, the man giving the message was talking about pastors. And he was teaching what the Bible has to say about pastors and what a pastor's job is and how hard it is and how they often are not appreciated or, uh, or uh, what's my word, paid the way they should be. Um, it does. That's, it's just right there. And all of a sudden, in the middle of his message, he stopped. 
And, you know, remember, this man is talking to people across the United States. And he says, I want everybody to get out your wallet, get out your purse. So where I was anyway, we, we were <laughs> lemmings. I guess we went along and get our wallets and our purses. And he says, now, you look in there and you find the biggest bill that you have. So I told him this. And he said, now, take it out. You go give it to your pastor and tell him how much you love him. <laughs> It was one of the most joyful, happy. People were laughing, and they were, like, pushing each other out of the way, trying to be the first ones back there. To, and just everyone in the place took their biggest bill. And for some people, that was change. And for some people, it was a much bigger bill. But they took the best of what they had, and they went and they poured it all over the pastor and told him how much they loved him. And, and we just had a party right there in the middle of this service. And it wasn't just happening in Danville, Illinois, it was happening all over the United States. In churches, pastors were being appreciated, and they were being generously given the biggest and best of what their people had. You know what? We get, we don't always give them the biggest and best of what we have of ourselves, and we need to think about that and be sure that we're given giving the biggest and the best. So, fasting often is a lot of fun. Because it's spontaneous and, and you're kind of going with the flow. God says something to you. Somebody else inspires you and you just do it. And another kind of generosity is slow generosity. It's kind of planned generosity. Uh, tithing and planned giving are examples of slow generosity. Um, I'm going to give a few examples of how Cindy and I approach slow generosity. Not to say that you should do it the same way, but just to give you some concrete examples. Um, <coughs> we have a monthly budget for our expenses. If you don't have a budget, by the way, you should, but that's a different subject. In our monthly budget, we have our expenses listed, and we have three uh, expense categories related to giving. We have the tithe, and we know that we're going to tithe each month. We also have a giving category, and it's not designated to any ministry person or anything. It's just giving. It's money that we've set aside beyond the tithe to give away during that month. Uh, and the third one then are missionaries and full-time Christian workers that we support monthly. And for those, we have uh, gotten acquainted with them. We've asked God, should we donate to them? And how much should we donate to them each month? And so we have a plan to donate to them. And we continue on those plans until God tells us otherwise. Here at Brownsburg Union Church, we have a similar kind of plan for giving. We have committed to taking 10% of our tithes and offerings and designating it for outreach, outreach of all types. And if in a month we don't spend 10% on outreach, we have an outreach checking account. And we put the overage into that checking account and bank it to ensure that we are giving at least 10% of our tithes and offerings here um, for outreach activities. Now, we want, <coughs> we've been talking about us being generous toward God and us being generous toward each other. We want you to know that we want our church to be that way too. And we want to model that for you as well. Your plan giving will look different than our plan giving. God will speak to you differently about different people, about different ministries. Uh, it's between you and Him. And it is a great opportunity.
opportunity. It's a fun thing to have an opportunity to reply, to say something very specific to people. And then you get to decide, especially when it's challenging, whether you're going to obey. But it is never too late. The Bible, the Bible verse that we've been uh, talking about says, Each one must give as he has decided in his heart. And that gives me no qualms about that. And generosity is also progressive. You need to start where you are. And so for some people, you might be in a really tight spot. And you're saying, well, I don't really see money to give. Well, the first thing I, I thought of when, when I was, was going through this is, well, maybe you could find four quarters and go to Aldi's and give four people a free card. You know, <laughs> there are ways when you're very tight that are fun and things that you can do. But, you, but also, so Phil said earlier, Generosity isn't just about money. There are lots of other ways that you can be generous, and in a, in a tight spot, you want to do that. We also go back to the scripture in Malachi where it says, God opens the windows of heaven and pours out until there's more than enough. And we had one of those when, our, when we were very first married. Um, we had a friend, a single mom, whose oven broke. And we didn't have a way at that time to purchase an oven for her. But what we did have was two toaster ovens. Because when we got married, before microwaves, you understand, we each had a toaster oven. So we had a toaster oven, practically new, sitting in the pantry. And so we thought, well, you know, why not? So we took it over to her house, and she got all happy. She didn't want her oven fixed. She actually had wanted a toaster oven. And that's what we took to her. And uh, that was so encouraging to us. We had more than enough toaster ovens. God said he'd given more than enough. Look around your house. I am guaranteeing somewhere you have something that is more than enough. We had more than enough tires on rims once, and we were able to give away two tires on, on rims on a really funny size to people who needed them. We had more than enough tires. So that's what you're looking for is the more than enough in your life. Don't give that. So we start in one point, and we started with the toaster oven. And then you start flexing your generosity muscles, and you start listening to God and doing different things more and getting more comfortable with hearing His voice and doing what He asks you to do. And so over a, a decade, after the, the toaster oven instance, we have passed through a lot of, of different things. We've been listening, and God's been nudging us, and we've been following as closely as we can what He says, and there were missteps along the way. There are. That's not one of the ways that you learn. But one night I was at a life group meeting, and Phil was out of town on a business trip. And there was a young man there that we love a lot, had watched him grow up, and he was called to missions. And he was planning a very ambitious missions trip to a country across the world. And we are sitting there in, in the life group. I'm there, and all of a sudden, God's just like, do this. And I'm sitting straight, what? <laughs> you know, I'm not really hearing this. You know, th- this is not really what you're saying, is it? And... I knew it was, but I I was kind of stunned because it was beyond what we had attempted before, and I and myself was not sure we could do it. That's silly, isn't it? If he tells you to do something, of course you can't do it, but but he can. And so we, I'm driving home that night, and I'm thinking, oh, he's going to tell He's going to think I'm nuts. You know, what am I going to do? And so like every other red-blooded American woman, I didn't tell him. I just ignored it. And about three days.
days later, he came up to me and said, I think you need to contribute this Mrs. Christian script. I said, And he looked at me and he said, do you know how much we're supposed to get? Yeah. And he said, how many zeros is there? <laughs> and that's when I knew I could relax and go laugh because God had told him exactly what he had told me. And we, we did the thing. And it was a joy. It was such a joy to be able to do that and to know that it wasn't something we could do. It was only something that God could do. And there is one thing that I have learned in the area of generosity. And it's this little statement. We are witnesses to his faithfulness. That's what we are. We aren't the givers. We aren't the producers. We are the witnesses to his faithfulness. And when a witness goes up to the witness stand, they always end with, so help me God. Well, for us, we put our hand up, we tell our story, and we say, so help me God. So, so he helped me to do this. So help me God. We are witnesses of his faithfulness. And that scripture in Malachi says, see if I will not open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing for you, there is more than enough. As we close this morning, we'd like to call the prayer and worship team forward. So much about how God calls us to live is what I call another way. Uh, that is, it's, it's the opposite of how our culture teaches. God calls us to choose faith over fear, as we heard in the first week. Contentment instead of striving. And generosity, generosity to replace self-centeredness. We can ask God, how do you want me to be generous today? If you're willing, let's go ahead and stand. We are going to cheerfully declare what God has to say in 2 Corinthians 9-7 about the person who's willing to be generous. Go ahead and put it up on the uh, screen. Yeah, so we're going to say it loud, say it strong. God loves, takes pleasure in, prizes above other things, is unwilling to abandon or do without, a cheerful, joyous, prompt-to-do-it giver whose heart is in his giving. We are going to go into our uh, prayer, uh, worship, and ministry and reflection time. And so we're going to call the prayer team to come forward now. We're right down in the house. And so we've been challenged this morning with a message. But of course, God's been doing all kinds of things in our midst during our time of worship. And you've had your own week and your own journey. So this is a time where we really set aside for us to respond to what God is doing in our life and what God is speaking. And so I would really encourage you, Phil and Cindy talked about the faithfulness and the generosity of God. And right now in this moment is where God really wants to demonstrate His faithfulness to us. And so if there's anything in your life where you're saying, God, I just need to encounter you in this way, whether it's in a relationship or finances or physically, 
a motion. I want to encourage you to come forward. If that message challenged you and you're kind of at, at that crossroads where you know that God is nudging you towards a new level of generosity, I'd encourage you to come forward and say, hey, can you pray over me that I'd be able to walk out what God is calling me to? If you have financial needs in your life, come forward. And this is a place where we stand with you and pray for the uh, windows of heaven to open up in your life. So as the worship team leads us in this last song, I just encourage you to, to take some moment, uh, moment to reflect on what God's been saying to you. Come forward and receive prayer and allow the Holy Spirit to do some work in each of our lives. So God, I thank you for Phil and Cindy for this message of generosity. And I thank you, God, that you have always been faithful to us. The hundreds and hundreds of stories that are represented in this room of how you faithfully and generously provided for us. And God, we just want to be your witnesses. And we want to model to others the generosity that you've shown to us. And so as we go into this time of reflection, Holy Spirit, stir within us the things that you want to do in our lives. And I pray we would respond by saying yes, by coming forward and receiving prayer and ministry. So we just take this time. Holy Spirit, work in our presence as we wait on you. Let's sing this song together. Come forward for prayer.